you'll please take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And we're continuing our Advent study and we're looking at out of darkness light. And so in the past weeks we've seen how light has been promised through the prophets. We've seen how light has been pondered by Mary and Joseph. And today we're going to see how the light is proclaimed by the angels. And so we come to the book of Luke, and Luke was written by uh, Dr. Luke, so he was not an apostle. He was uh, someone who was told to write down the eyewitness accounts of those that had seen and been a part of the Jesus history. And so he takes it and he writes the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And again, he wants us to understand that it's not just a little story, it's not a fable, and it's not a fairy tale. But it is a real life and true story where people are being transformed by the gospel message, proclaiming the truth. And again, it's something that impacts these people who are being transformed, some even at the cost of their own lives. So what is that story that someone would be willing to die for the Savior? So let's look at Luke chapter 2. We're looking at verses 8 through 14 this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, uh, a story that's common to most of us, Lord. We hear it every year around this time. We see it even mentioned on TV with a Charlie Brown Christmas special, Lord. We see it on napkins and on plates, on banners. And yet, Lord, through all of that, we could miss the importance. We can miss the truth that it is proclaiming. So, Heavenly Father, as we come to the story this morning, may the gospel be clear and true to us again this morning. Lord, that we would come and we would hear the good news proclaimed in our ears, in our hearts. And Lord, then we would take it and proclaim it to the world. Looking forward to that day when you come again, not as the infant child, but as the conquering king. Lord, teach us and change us this morning. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So the first thing we're going to look at is that the angels came to proclaim the good news message, first of all, to shepherds, not kings. Now this is a big deal because, again, we live in a world of headline news stories, don't we? 
Everything's about breaking news. We live by breaking news. It comes into our shows. It comes onto the radio stations that we listen to. There's always something that is to be something to enhance or to get our attention. And we do this from rushing to things where there's accidents that happen. There are other times where we wait for things and we wait hours upon hours. When we were over in England, it was during the time of the royal birth. And so there were news trucks parked in front of the palace for days awaiting that time when the new child the royal child was to be born and they would come out and they would announce it to the world and they were waiting we do that even with people here we have reporters that go and wait at jails we have reporters that wait at crime scenes just ready to get that one shot to get that one interview to get that one breaking story Well, here is the greatest moment of all time. It is the thing, it is epic changing. It is the thing that's going to change the course of history forever. And what happens? It's unnoticed by the world. It's unnoticed. It doesn't affect but just a few people. And not even the right people, if we're honest, right? It comes to who? It comes to the lowly. It doesn't come to the elite of the day. It doesn't come to to the Roman people. It doesn't come to Caesar. It doesn't come to Rome. It doesn't come to the Senate that's there. It doesn't come to the rich people. It doesn't even come to the, the religious people over in Jerusalem. It doesn't come to those who are rich or popular. Who does it come to? It comes to shepherds who are out in their fields. They are the least of the people in society. And we'll look deeper because we'll we'll look at their story next week. But again, these are people who are unclean. You don't want to be around them. You can't touch them. You can't um, believe anything they have to say because they're liars. They're thieves. So why does God bring and proclaim his infant child to the shepherds because the gospel comes to the lowly you know who that is that's us we're the ones who needed the message of jesus christ so we come and so it comes through this headline news this epic changing stuff it comes to the least of these but what happens in the midst of it it says the glory of the lord what shone around them Shown around who? It's shown around the the shepherds. Now, what is the glory of the Lord? This is a hard thing to define. If you talk about the Shekinah glory, and you won't find the word Shekinah, but it's a way for us to kind of describe what it is. It's God's presence in a physical form. It's what happens when he was in the cloud. Remember when they brought the people out of Egypt and the, the great cloud that was before them, it was the fire. Remember, the Egyptians are the ones that see it. And again, I don't want you, sometimes, you know, if you're of an older generation, you think of the, the Ten Commandments movie with Charleston Heston, and you have this like little drawn in little uh, tornado kind of a thing. I, I want you to get that out of your head because that is making God way too small. Because if you're talking about being able to oversee millions of people walking along and going through um, the dry land, through the Red Sea and stuff like that, I mean, you're talking about a huge tempest. It's expansive. 
And so God comes and he brings his presence and his glory. It says his glory is filled around these shepherds. Now, again, I want you to understand this, and I'm getting this from John Piper, but I want you to understand just kind of how hard it is. He says, defining the glory of God is impossible because it's like defining the word glory or beauty. He says, we can understand words like basketball, and this is what he says. If you're defining a basketball, you would use your hands and you would say, well, it's a round thing, and it's made out of leather or rubber and about 10 or 9 inches in diameter, and you blow it up. You inflate it so it's pretty hard, and then you can bounce it uh, like this, and then you can throw it to people, and you can run while you're also bouncing. And then there's this hoop at the end of the court, and it used to be a basket. And you try to throw the ball through the hoop, and that is why it is called a basketball. He said, you would really have kind of have a good idea after that explanation of what a basketball is. You would even be able to spot one, maybe, and know the difference between a soccer ball and a football and a basketball. You would know the difference. But he says, how do we understand the word glory? And so what he does is he says, I want you to think of holiness. I want you to make the connection in Isaiah 6 where the the angels are crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Because the next thing they say, the whole earth is full of holiness, glory. It's the otherness of God is his perfection. It's where God manifests who he is in physical form. It's why there's, there's times where, again, it, it could be the Shekinah glory. It could be that overwhelming glare of light. But it's also when we go and we see a, a sunset. If you've ever driven over the river and you're looking towards the sunset over Lake Washington, and there's sometimes where it's just like, wow, that's the glory of the Lord. When you go to the ocean and you're overwhelmed by the power of the sea, especially during the sunrise, wow, that's the glory of the Lord being shown. And it's the thing that should overwhelm us. And it overwhelms the, the um, shepherds in their field. Now, again, we, we can't throw rocks because if God showed up and gave us his glory, if he really unveiled who he is to us, we too would be overwhelmed. And so that's what we see with the shepherds out there. And so what the angel says, don't be afraid. And he goes very specifically Don't be filled with fear. Now, again, you're talking about one angel and the glory of the Lord surrounding them and the shepherds overwhelmed. They're undone. They're being overwhelmed by the presence of God and by this um, heavenly being that stands before them and they're afraid. And so the angel has to tell them specifically, fear not. Fear not that you see me. Fear not that the glory of the Lord is around you because I'm telling you, you might have physical fear, but I'm only saying don't fear the physical fear, but don't fear condemnation. Because what I'm about to tell you is the what? The good news. Now I want you to understand as he begins to to preach the gospel, there's a very specific word in there and he says, to you. He makes it very personal. It's to you that this has been given. Now, the reality is when we talk about the gospel, especially in our day and age, a lot of people ask the question, why do I need a savior? There's the Peanuts um, comic strip, and I don't know if you can see this, 
But it's the top one, it says, uh, he's holding a sign that says, Christ is the answer. And then Snoopy's holding a sign that says, what was the question? Now that's very specific and it's very important. Why? Because if you don't think you deserve, you need a savior, then why do you need Jesus? If you think you're a good person, or if you think there's no hell, or if you think there's no judgment, then you don't, you don't care that Jesus is the answer. It's like saying, hey, there's, you know, when we get on the plane, hey, there are flotation devices under your seat. And how do most of us think about that? Oh, well. Right until the moment that you need it, right? We just take it for granted. And the reality is, is that he's saying in regards to the gospel, he's saying, you need the gospel. I need the gospel. Why? Because the scripture tells us very clearly, our hearts are evil. And I know for some people that's offensive. I'm not a bad person. I'm not an evil person. Really? Have you ever used the word, those people? Have you ever wanted to get even with someone? Again, I'm a pastor. I get paid to be holy. I get paid to study the word. I get paid to be nice to you. I do. And there are times, especially if somebody starts coming in, hey, let me tell you what's wrong with you, pastor. And I sit there and I listen. They just start rattling off. You said they bring big binders. No, just kidding. They sit there and they start listening, and I'm just going, okay, if that's where we're gonna go, do I have the freedom to start opening up everything that you've done wrong, everything that you haven't done? Can I say those same things back to you? Because what I want to do is I want to beat the snot out of you, just like you just beat the snot out of me. See, my heart's evil, and I need a savior. And when I have the Savior and understand what Christ has forgiven me, then you know what? The temptation goes away very quickly of, let me fix you to, yeah, all those things are wrong about me. And thankfully, Jesus forgave me. And you know what? I don't need to get even. I need to forgive you just like Christ forgave me. See, it's my heart that needed to be fixed. It was the shepherd's hearts that needed to be fixed. It's our hearts that need to be fixed. Because again, we, we can get caught up in, in acting the right way. You know, I mean, people, people joke with me when I talk about I don't sneak food into the movie theaters. And they're just like, that's so stupid. Well, that doesn't make me a better person because I don't sneak food in. I don't sneak food in because I love Jesus Christ. So it's, I, can, I could not do it and think that somehow I was a better person than the people that, and I see you, you walk in with, you women are the worst because you guys bring in those huge purses. You walk around with like a little purse the rest of the time, but then all of a sudden you go to the movie theater and you've got a suitcase. And I hear the cans, cans going and stuff like that. You pull out those big boxes of candy and they're selling foot long stuff now. I see you. So I can sit there in self-righteousness, can't I? I paid $16,000 for my popcorn and Coke while you guys snuck stuff in. No. I don't sneak it in because I love Jesus Christ and he's changed me. 
and continues to transform me. Because in that area, I might be self-righteous, but don't ask me about speeding. Because that one I do. And I like it. So we all need to be forgiven, right? And so the gospel comes to you. The good news comes to us. The gospel is given to us, and he comes to the people, and he says it's with great joy. The good news with great joy. Now, again, the great joy can only be found in Jesus alone. Everything that the world has to offer is temporary. Whether it's uh, riches, whether it is popularity, whether it is your family, people who drink or get high for momentary lapses, it's temporary. See, he says, great news is found in Jesus alone, and it brings great joy. Not momentary joy, great joy, because it's something that changes and transforms your whole being. And not only that, he says, this is to be given to all the people. Now, again, in the mindset of a Jewish person, that's crazy. He didn't come just for the shepherds. He didn't just come just for Israel. He said to Israel, now go and tell the good news. It's to be for all the people. It's supposed to change the world. See, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go out and proclaim it at every opportunity that we have. Every. And if you need to start small, start small. Take the cards. If, if it's too much for you to go to your neighbors and say, hey, I want to invite you over to my church where you're going to hear the truth. Where it's going to set you free. Where you get to worship with other people who are messed up but are forgiven just like you. Come and be a part of it. If that's too much, take a card. We've provided it. Take a card and start with just the person on your right and the person on the left in your neighborhood. Start small. But do it. Proclaim the good news. Why? So it says, unto you a Savior is born. And he is Christ the Lord. And then this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So here we have the titles. And the first one it starts with is Savior. It says, this day is born to you. It really happened. There is a historical Jesus Christ. And he came in a very miraculous way. He was born of a virgin. And that's a big deal. A huge deal for us. Because if Jesus was born the natural way, then he doesn't have the ability to be perfect. I tell you and remind you, every time a child is born, they're vipers and diapers. So even though we love little Miles, and even though we think he's cute and stuff like that, you know what he did to his parents all last night? Kept him up. Did you ever have to tell your, your children the word, mine? No. We never. It's ingrained in us. And so Jesus had to be the God man. He had to be the one perfect sacrifice. He had to be 100% God and 100% man. Can I explain that to you? No. It's just the truth of the gospel. And this perfect man lived a perfect life to die a perfect death so that we don't have to. And that's what was born that day. The Savior and his name was called Jesus. And then he was given the title of Christ. That's not his last name. 
Jesus the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. That's what it means, the anointed one. And who in the Old Testament were the ones who were anointed? The prophets, the priests, and the kings. What offices does Jesus fulfill? He's the prophet, priest, and kings. What does Hebrews say? That we are as the church, the people of God. You are prophets, priests, and kings. We were given the Christ, the anointed one, who's to tell us, give it, and rule over us. And not only that, then it says he's Jesus Christ, the Lord. Now again, this is the, the, the name Yahweh in the Old Testament. And so what was happening was it was saying, here is born to you in Bethlehem, God himself. Now again, I'm not sure that the shepherds would have understood it. They could have been sitting there going, okay, that's great. I don't think they got it completely, but they did go. Now, let me just give you a real life example. So um, we go with the riches each year and we go here at Epcot, the, the, the Christmas story. And usually it's, we wait till uh, Stefan and Michelle get here and uh, Stefan is from Paris, France. So we were there in the, how odd this was. We were in the little country representation of France and lo and behold, Governor Scott is standing behind us. Now, for those in the state of Florida, we understand who Governor Scott is. And so it became a thing of, beep, 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 you know, Governor Scott's behind us. You know, people are starting to stare. Dave Richards goes up and talks to him. He's just like, you know, I own this guy anyways. So he works for me. It's not a big deal. But Stefan from France goes, who is this? Right? Why would he know? So it's sort of what's kind of going on with the shepherds. Who, what is going on here? They, they didn't come to the religious people. Today, do you understand that God himself is born? And so what God does, he allows the angel to give him a sign. Now, how good is that? Now, we understand signs, don't we? Because if uh, Miles was born and stuff like that, I mean, how would we know which house in that neighborhood? Well, in our day and age, we have a stork in the yard. We'd have some balloons on the mailbox, some posters out, and we would look for the cars parked along the street. And we would say, oh, there's the house where Miles resides. And so God, in his goodness, says, here's the sign for you. When you go into Bethlehem, you're going to find a child, but there's going to be a specific child. And he's going to be wrapped in cloths, and you're going to find him lying in a feeding trough. He's not going to be in a house He's not going to be in a palace. I mean, think about this. Truly think about this. The King of kings and the Lord of lords who spoke all of creation into being by his words humbles himself and doesn't humble himself as the king of the world. And that would have been a great humbling to come in the greatest palace to have the riches of the world at his beckoning. He comes to be the lowest of the low. He doesn't even have a wooden cradle. His dad's a carpenter, for goodness sakes. He's lighting in a feeding trough so that the shepherds would know without a shadow of doubt who it is that they're going to see. So the shepherds go, and at that moment, 
what happens? It says, a multitude of the heavenly host came praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So I I want you to understand, first of all, in regards to multitude. There are very few times in all of scripture where there are a multitude of angels. Humans freak out at the sign of one. We're overwhelmed by him. These are beings we don't comprehend. These are beings that frighten us physically. So when it says that there's a heavenly host, you better pay attention. Because this was something, this was so important for God to send his army to proclaim at that moment. Listen to some of the the times. I mean, one of the times that I think is a time for us to pay attention to is the time with Elisha. In 2 Kings, remember this is when the the king is surrounding Elisha in the house. And it says, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my masters, what shall we do? So Elijah's inside. He doesn't care. He does care. But he, he said, don't be afraid. We're always afraid of stuff. He says, don't be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, if you're the the servant, aren't you kind of freaking out a little bit there? You think your message has gone a little cuckoo? What in the world? I just went outside. There's an army around our city. And you're telling me, don't be afraid. And you're telling me those who are with us are greater than those who are out there. You don't get this, do you, Elisha? And then what does Elijah say? Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And so the Lord opened his eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Do you need eyes to see the glory of God today? I understand we're behind in giving, low in numbers, all that. But there is a reality that God, God brought us through and he said, I want you to build this building. And you know what the world says? You can't do it. You can't afford it. You, you don't have this. You know, God could do anything he wants to with this building. If he wanted to wipe it out, he could have lightning hit today and this building burned down. He could have the next hurricane come through and wipe it out. He could also have one rich person come in here and write a check, pay for the whole thing. God can do what he wants to do. God wants us to grow, not just to grow, but because we said we want to see the the Brevard County change. We want the gospel to go forth. God, you pray with me. God, fill this place to overflowing. Fill it. Fill it with the right people. Fill it with people who who need to hear the gospel. Fill it with people who are equipped. Fill it with people who have a love for Brevard County. People love for surfers. Love for engineers. Love for space people. Love for nurses and and people who are in the school system. God, I want those people to come and to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Lord, send me so that we can continue to invite people upon people upon people upon people. So we plant church after church after church after church. Your glory. God, give us eyes to see. And when it does... What happens is we begin to praise God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. It was revealed to them, 
to the prophets, that's what them means, that they were serving not themselves but you. And it's in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things, listen, things into which angels long to look. So therefore, prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The angels were excited to come hear the announcement. An army, an army of the Lord, excited. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is born this day. And then they say one to another, and again, Mickey's fixed me over the years. It's not a song. They're not singing a song. They're saying back and forth to one another, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace for the hand of the, oh, sorry. Peace on earth. Why? Because God's good. And so they're saying glory to God. Because, listen, if we're, if we're honest, man says, my will be done. Glory to me. Jesus comes and humbles himself. God's will be done. Glory to God, even to the point where he goes to, Father, if there's any other way for this to happen, but not my will, your will. And listen, this is the only religion that is true in sense because it's God comes to us. We don't have to grovel before him. And he would be well within his rights to do that to us. But God comes to us to allow us to have a relationship with him. And so the angels say, glory to God. Everything manifests to give God glory. And then peace, the peace on earth. Why? Among those whom he is pleased. Listen, anything that man can do can only offer outward peace. Can our government stop wars? Can our government stop thievery and shootings and stuff like that? Yes and no. They haven't been able to stop it. They try. But listen, it's God who says, I bring you peace. And not just outer peace, but it's inner peace. That heart that's evil, he changes it. He transforms it into a heart that loves and grasps mercy and grace and again allows it to be given to other people. Do you love? Not just love people that are lovable, not just love the people that love you, but do you love the unlovely? Do you love the lowly? Do you love those who tick you off the most? Because that's the example that Jesus Christ gives to us. Love the unlovely and receive that inward peace. And it's given to those who have given their life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to end with a story for what we prayed. And I want you to hear what the pastor says. Okay, this is before he he sent out a letter, before he was um, arrested. And I'm just giving you excerpts. He says, for this reason I accept... And I respect the fact that this communist regime has been allowed by God to rule temporarily. See, my calling is that I have received 
requires me to use nonviolent methods to disobey those human laws that disobey the Bible and disobey God. For my Savior also requires me to joyfully bear all the cause for disobeying wicked laws. But this does not mean that my personal disobedience and the disobedience of the church is any sense fighting for rights. And it's not fighting for political activism in the form of civil disobedience because I do not have the intention of changing any institution or any laws of China. As a pastor, the only thing I care about is the disruption of man's sinful nature by this faithful disobedience and the testimony it bears for the cross of Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say this. I also understand that this happens to be the very reason why the communist regime is filled with fear at a church that no longer is afraid of it. And I will serve my sentence, but I will not serve the law. I will be executed, but I will not plead guilty. And so what does he ask for? Pray that the Lord would use me, that he would grant me patience and wisdom, that I might take the gospel to them. They might separate me from my wife and children. They may ruin my reputation. They may destroy my life and my family. The authorities are capable of doing all of these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life. And no one can raise me from the dead except Jesus Christ. This isn't a fable or a fairy tale. It's real life, a real Jesus who gave his life for you. And I'm telling you, it's worth even losing everything, even our lives, for his sake. Go and proclaim the gospel. Proclaim it to everyone who has ears. And then watch God move. Because he's faithful. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an incredible gift that you've given to us. And so, Lord, we do rejoice and we give you glory and honor and praise. Lord, we sing of it. We tell the story during the Christmas time. But Lord, we also look forward to that day where you're going to come back. And this time you're coming back as the conquering king on your war horse. And the armies of heaven, the armies that were sitting there praising God and rejoicing at the birth of a child will be coming on their horses to conquer the rest. So Father, give us eyes to see like that of Jesus when he came riding upon the donkey into Jerusalem and he wept because the fields are white for harvest Lord there are people who are addicted to, to different substances Lord there are people who are addicted to even their jobs or their families Lord we were sick and in need of a savior so Lord let us be about proclaiming the good news until you come back or we thank you for your goodness, mercy, and grace. Lord, may it be new and fresh to us today as we celebrate this Christmas season together. 
And we pray all this in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen.